Srila Gurudev Patita Pavana Ki Jai Shri Man Mahaprabhu Ki Jai Shri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai Shri Shri Gaur Adamadar Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Pramana Good evening to all of you. <coughs> My pranam and thanks so much for coming. So, <coughs> well, today we are continuing with our series of talks about the Upadishamrita of Sri Rupa Goswami, sometimes presented as the nectar of instruction, which is real real title for the, the work. It's a real condensed form of uh, the whole teachings of Srila Rupa Goswami encapsulated or the whole teachings of Mahaprabhu, if you will, through, through, through the language of Srila Rupa Goswami encapsulated in these just 11 verses. So that starts from sense control, tongue, tongue control, no gossip, and in 11 verses he's taking all us all the way through Braja Seva, Lila Shmara and Radha Kunda <laughs> so it's a very interesting quantum leap from first one verse to the last one but of course as we say always between Chant Hare Krishna and Be Happy there are a big bracket with many considerations inside so between Bachovigam and Radha Kunda there are many considerations also <laughs> and we should be ready to take the necessary time for that. So here we are in that um, attempt. So we have been going over the first five verses this last days and week. Also in most cases with Ashram Maharaj accompanying us and sharing very nice insights as conclusion of each meeting. So hopefully today is not the exception to the rule. Already we have the exception last class, so <laughs> let's continue with the rules. Rules and regulations are nice also. <laughs> we follow Raga Bhakti, but rules are, there are some rules there also. Loving rules. So <clears throat> today we will go with the verse number six. Yesterday, uh, the day after, before yesterday we, we went over verse number five. We will do a brief summary about that and continue with verse number six. So in verse number 5, after speaking about the six loving ex- exchanges between devotees, Srila Rupa Goswami mentions the different types of devotees and how to properly have interaction with each of them. So generally he speaks about three types that called, um, if you will, neophyte, intermediate and topmost, with many sub-levels in between, never black and white, but this very verse it starts to open the window to the Nishta conception, up to the white mind, to the open mind that a Nishta, a Madhyam Bhakta will have, starting to realize not everyone is in the same situation. There are um, nuanced experiences and levels of insects in the Vaishnava world. And so we should be very eager to know, I mean, not so much to know where everyone is standing, which is the level of everyone, but how to properly serve everyone. No? That's basically it. It's not so much that we will meet every devotee and we will start like to... No? Madhyam, Kanishta, Uttam, <laughs> Madhyam, Kanishta. No, it's not like... I mean, First we have to pay attention to our house, no? take care of our garden, if you will. <laughs> but also the, the main idea is, is giving these general attributes of every devotee is just try to have a glimpse of when everyone is standing on so you can properly serve that person so you can reciprocate according to the, the most satisfying way for that specific Vaishnava. That, that's the main uh, concern behind this idea, not so much that we become like exclusive and sectarian and start like to, you're Kanishta, you're Madhya, but how can I serve you in the best possible way? So also one point that we didn't mention last class regarding these three categories, because so many things can be said about them, but it's an interesting connection that Srila Rupa Goswami mentions in Sri Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, when he mentioned these three types of um, 
Adhikars, and he connects them in the context of Vaidhi Bhakti, he's speaking at, in that chapter, with the, the idea of faith and the idea of knowledge. No? And how, depending on their level of these two, one will be classified as Kanista, Madhyam, or Uttam. And we could say that that may apply mainly to the idea of Vaidhi Bhakti because it's a rule-based, scriptural, rule-based process, but again, as we were speaking the other day, in one point, between Vaidhi and Raga Bhakti, there are not that much difference in one sense, but mainly because the main difference is the, how do you say, the inner like motivation that takes us to engage in the particular one of the other. But externally, there may be some similar things. So I will say that also in Raga Bhakti, which generally it's, it is said that the qualification is lowlyam or a particular greed for following in the footsteps of the Brajavasis. But for developing such a thing, you need contact with the scriptures. You have to develop a type of faith called Shastriya So this idea of also having knowledge of the scripture, nurturing your faith, not only supply applicable applicable to Bhaiti Bhakti, but to Raga Bhakti as well. There may be another type of scripture, another approach to scripture, nurturing another type of faith, if you will, but the principle still is there. And it's, it's very clear, to under, it's important to understand the po- this point, because some people may say, what's the necessity of knowledge for nurturing faith? No, I can only have faith, I do not have knowledge. Of course, big issue, and many people, it's taking this idea saying, I don't know, in Chaitanya Charitamrita we find example of Mahaprabhu meeting someone reading Bhagavad Gita upside down, don't knowing how to read and crying. And Mahaprabhu was so pleased to, with him. So, purport of the Leela is, we don't have to study. <laughs> and you say, where, where, where does it say that? <laughs> where does it say you don't have to study? No, because that person that who was crying was trying to read the Bhagavad Gita was trying to figure out which was the proper direction. He didn't know how to read, but he wanted to read it. It's not that he didn't want. He didn't know how didn't know how to read. To follow, but he had an eagerness to read it. So that's the point of that ex- that pastime. He had an eagerness and Mahaprabhu was pleased with the eagerness hmm, of trying to go through. So because if you I mean, you may have some little faith and some really basic knowledge of the process and that qualifies you to practice. But if that's a very basic knowledge, someone else can come. Now, maybe you reach some conclusion about bhakti that is proper, but it's not so fixed. It's more kanishta, more weak, common. So someone else will come with other conclusion and very easily may make your own conclusion become dismantled. So... In order for your faith to not be shaken, you need more knowledge. So as much knowledge as you have, you can feed your faith, and your faith will become eventually nishtita, madhyam, as you will like shastriya, <laughs> and eventually you will acquire this, uh, um, how this, this name, scriptural genius, shastra nipun. You can become even a shastra nipun. Already, from every pore of your being, Shastra will be coming naturally. <laughs> your pores will be composing Shastra. <laughs> but that's PhD in, in devotion. No? So it's important to to understand this idea no? of, of, of knowledge. A type particular, not a particular type of Sambanda, a particular type of, as we were speaking yesterday, of Siddhanta, that is proper to our sampradaya that will nurture a particular type of faith and a particular practice and a particular goal. So we are not sectarian, but very specific. Our goal is go the Vaishnavism is some particular specific window of opportunity. So we should learn to be that specific without being sectarian and without stopping being universal at the same time. This may sound paradoxical, but we should have a foundation of, for example, universal compassion as Prahlad exhibited. But on such a universal basis, grow into the specifics of our own particular uh, window of opportunity without being sectarian in the negative sense, but being sectarian in the positive sense, <laughs> in a particular sect, in a particular point, in a particular direction. 
So certain knowledge is required for nurturing that particular faith, and that's, that's not an exception for Raga Bhakti. That's not only the rule for Vaidhi Bhakti. Because as Guru Maharaj always says, okay, Raga Bhakti has not so much to do with scriptural knowledge, but you will, if you want to get imbibed in the mood of the Brajavasis, where will you receive that from? I mean, where, 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 what's the source for that revelation? Shastra is there. <laughs> As you approach Shastra for a particular way and a particular section of Shastra from the hand of a particular person, <laughs> so you will receive a particular impact in your faith through that knowledge. So yesterday, the day after yesterday, sorry, before yesterday, <laughs> the day after this, yesterday is today, <laughs> the day before yesterday, uh, we were speaking about these three types of devotees and Rupa Goswami emphasizing the importance of properly honor each of them. Kanishta, in our mind, we offer respects, even if he said Hare Krishna one time, Hare, not even Krishna one time, okay, pronounced mental. The devotee who duly had gone through Diksha and is on a daily basis practicing chanting, we establish a particular relation with that person and the one who is really totally immersed in, in, in Krishna Bhakti, we fully surrender into that direction. So, again, starting to, to show a new disposition more connected to the idea of Madhyam, intermediate mentality. And these six births, births is also connected to this idea. In this verse also, Rupa Goswami will speak about how to appreciate the sadhu for what the sadhu is and not become became become uh, like distracted by certain physical or psychic even uh, imperfections, if you will. So that also speaks about uh, a Saragrahi conception. We are in Saragrahi here, in the area of Saragrahi and Saragrahi embassy, so it's important to constantly invoke this conception of being an essentialist and not becoming overburdened by certain relative details. So we will go to verse number six and let's see what Providence has to share with us today. It says like this Drishtai Shabhava Janitara Bapusaschado Shaira Naprakrita Tamiha Bhakta Janasya Pasyet Gangam Bhasam Nakalu Bud Buddha Pina Pankaira Brahma Drabatama Pogachati Nida Dharmai Translation Being situated in his original Krishna conscious position, a pure devotee does not identify with the body. Such a devotee should not be seen from a materialistic point of view. Indeed, one should overlook a devotee's having a body, body born in a low family, a body with a bad complexion, a deformed body, or a deceased or infirmed body. According to ordinary vision, such imperfections may seem prominent in the body of a pure devotee. But despite such seeming defects, the body of a pure devotee cannot be polluted. It is exactly like the waters of the Ganges, which sometimes during the rainy season are full of bubbles, foam and mud. The Ganges waters do not become polluted. Those who are advanced in a spiritual understanding will bathe in the Ganges without considering the condition of the water. So, of course, those who have proper vision will take shelter in a Vaishna without taking in consideration any physical or psychic foam, mud, or whatever. <laughs> so, analogies always are there to, to help us. Srila Rupa Goswami will use different analogies in the next verses here. The famous, uh, how do you say in English? Icterisia uh, in Spanish. <laughs> The, when you cannot taste sweet in your mouth jaundice. jaundice thank you so analogies will be there to try to help us illustrate what's going on so basically here Rupa Goswami is inviting us to to become again senseless and another way to judge the person by I mean his inner reality not so much even his physical reality not his psychic reality by understanding the person itself is beyond all those things. I mean, that's the very first thing we learned. Almost when we come here, you are not this body. No. This body means this body, 
this body, <laughs> if you will. No? Physical body, psychic body. Of course, to realize that, that's another thing. <coughs> but that implies, try gradually to understand you are not that body, and the, per- the other person is also not that body. And try to consider the other person according to your, as well as yourself, according to who you really are, and your potential. That's the most general, generous way of dealing with yourself and each other. As, as Guru Maharaj always says, no? we are being seen from above. Mahaprabhu is looking at us, not thinking about what, according to what we have done in the past. So that's like whew, big relief, in my case at least. <laughs> Nor he's he considering us to what we have done in the present. So for me, it's double relief. <laughs> because I've known Krishna consciousness, but I'm still a rascal. So it's double not failure. <laughs> so thanks so much, Mahaprabhu. <laughs> but he's considering us according to what we want to become in the future. To what's our ideal, what's our potential. So we are being judged, if you will, by our projection or our potential. So that's a very generous idea. You may be the topmost rascal on earth, but still, a glorious potential is there. I mean, that can nev- never be taken away. So that's a very hope, hopefully, hopeful, hopeful horizon. I mean, I mean, not, it's not an excuse, of course, to degrade yourself, no? Because my potential will be with me anywhere I go. No, it's not like that. <laughs> no? But that's important point. So we should learn to consider the other people also according to their potential. That may help when someone has still has some whatever physical, psychic uh, shortcoming, <laughs> and we may be easily entangled there. No? Like oh. And considering the person just becoming totally conditioned, oh, he has this face, oh, he has this mind, oh, he has this whatever, and we cannot go beyond that and remember, oh, there is a soul there. <laughs> no. No. And if he's a devotee, because the verse applies to Vaishnavs here, so if he's a devotee, as Guru Maharaj said, a little bit of Radha is in every devotee. So, but we, we do not get to the Radha portion. We just become stuck in the... Oh, no, he's a little harsh when he answers such and such questions, and Radha became buried in that. No? <laughs> and as we say always, no, we should be so dynamic or progressive that we should understand, no matter how powerful our, our conditionings, Bhakti is much more powerful than that. No? I may have the worst Anar town, town <laughs> but Krishna's mercy is more powerful than all my Anartas together. So I, I should still remember what's more powerful actually. In my case, in the case of others, so others may have a very difficult time with certain physical, psychic uh, moments, if you will, or, or expressions, but we should have compassion in that way. In, that, in those moments we should invoke uh, this higher appreciation. Like, and, and seeing something good has to be there. Something good. That's when Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta has his two two disciples like quarreling between each other and just seeing stuck in some whatever psychic physical defect and and judging the person only for that you are that period so that's not very merciful very loving because if you if I only judge you or you have a like I don't know like okay, your ear is right ear is smaller than your left ear you are similar like Van Gogh or whatever, almost no ear here. And I just mainly think, when I think of you, I, I go in that direction. I go to the smaller ear. <laughs> so, man, I mean, that's... And, and after that, you will pray and say, Krishna, give me your mercy. <laughs> and Krishna will send you a text message saying, no, <laughs> don't be a hypocrite. I mean, you're asking mercy and you're just judging the other people for the size of their ears. No, I'm just joking, but that t- sometimes it's not. Hopefully, it's a joke, but it's not so joking sometimes. No? So, Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, he knew two of my disciples are really no, only absorbed in each other's imperfections. They are not able to appreciate themselves as Vaishnavs. They are not able to relate from the Vaishnav platform. That's our challenge. We should be able to speak to each other from the Vaishnav platform. That's Vaishnava etiquette. But when we are not doing that and we just stuck in whatever the other has, that sometimes the other doesn't have that. It's just we have that and we are just 
throwing our projection on the other person, a prejudice machine, whatever, one Sri Lanka said that, we are just like a prejudice machine. <laughs> whatever we walk and throw our side, we are like arrows, one prejudice there, one prejudice there, and the whole world is full of defects, and actually it's, Anmaban manjati jagat. Whatever is in your inner world goes to the other world. So Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta will see the two of them, and he knew. They are only looking the defects on the other and the other. They cannot go beyond that. They got totally trapped there. So he said, now you say something nice about him, and you say something nice about him, her. And of course, it was almost impossible for them, because they were not seeing nothing nice. No? He had bad odor, he, I don't like his haircut, uh, his sika is not my taste, he, whatever, whatever stupid thing became entangled. But Sri Guru was there giving the instructions to see something nice. And was giving the empowerment, basically. Giving instruction means giving empowerment if you take the instruction. So eventually, after some struggle, <laughs> by the mercy of Guru, they were able to see one little good thing there. And eventually when they say, see one thing, the other one sees some, saw something nice. After seeing one thing nice, second thing nice appeared there, and a third nice thing. And eventually they realized, oh, I'm in front of a very wonderful soul. Okay, yes, he still has this, this, this. But actually the bigger picture is, I mean, so basically I feel that this verse tries to take our idea in this direction. No? Be, be careful of not becoming saragrahi. No. Today I was, I was thinking in this regard about Pariksit Maharaj, no? who is sometimes called the inquirer. No? His name means that. No? Pariksit. No? Iksha means like eyes. And Pari means every direction also. No? Pariksit. No? Pariksit means he was looking in every direction for that person that he saw in the womb of his mother. No, and inquiring from everyone, are you the person I saw in my womb? No, are you? No. So looking for Krishna in this really like intense way. <coughs> so eventually, when as you know, he was the emperor of the whole world. I cannot imagine what must it be, what must it represent in your psychology to be the emperor, not the queen of a country, but the emperor of the world. And to look for a guru being the emperor of the world. I mean, what can who can be? Oh, the emperor of the world. But Pariksit Maharaj was such a saragrahi that he not only accepted someone as guru, which is already a lot for the emperor of the world, <laughs> but his guru resulted to be a, a young 16-year-old naked boy. <laughs> so for a person who was older, no, who was the emperor of the world, who has world experience, to have accepted as his guru a boy that just went out of the womb and ran to the forest and had no experience in the world, naked, younger. I mean, that's not so easy. And even between devotees, sometimes if you have, I don't know, 40 years with the devotees and you are, I don't know, disciple of such and such guru and comes as a young boy of 10 years with the practice, you tend to sometimes, no, oh, he's new. No, I mean, he knows less than me. I will teach him. And, and maybe we may not be open to the possibility that person may be higher than me. That person may be practicing three lifetimes and I may start in this one. Who knows? No? I mean, everything can happen. So my point is, sometimes we really get conditioned only by the age of someone. <laughs> or, or it's a lady. Mm. Mm. You have to be born next lifetime if you want to give diksha and all this stuff. So, so sorry. Or you have to be born in India, or you have to be born here, you have whatever. I mean, each one with their own specific ism, no? <laughs> prejudice of one form or another. No? So the idea here is try to really, I mean, not measure the standing of any person. The adhikar, ver- previous verb was speaking about adhikar, different levels of adhikar, but adhikar is not according to, again, sex, race mental, psychic, defects. Yeah, Adhikar doesn't mean that, so do not make a kitri in that regard and feeling, oh, he's, he speaks nice Bengali and sings so nicely, and he's from India, so he must be pure devotee. No? <laughs> For some people, if someone has charisma, Indian singing, long birth, that's almost enough for 
at least Madhyam Bhakta. No? <laughs> and strictly speaking, that has nothing to do with real Adhikar. So when Bhagavatam says, Adhikari Sabuna Parikirtita, try to establish yourself and hopefully others in the proper, your proper level of capacity, that's real beauty. I mean, we should, according to Bhakti Adhikar, we have certain parameters that we have been discussed, no? and, and not any of those are external ones. So Rupa Goswami gives this example of the Ganges. No? He says Ganges has some things floating there. Now, well, nowadays the example can be updated and put plastic bottles and, and many other things. <laughs> <laughs> so it applies much more than ever. So you say, where's the Ganges? Of course, it doesn't mean you take this this <laughs> this verse. You go to India, take a bottle. I don't care. Yeah, you recite this verse and <laughs> you drink the, the water. Because also there is something there. You have the Ganges water, but you have maybe stool floating there. But the stool is not Ganges water. <laughs> so you may take the stool, and there is some Ganges water there, but you will go to the hospital because of the stool, not because of the Ganges water. <laughs> So the, the point is there, do not make the, this an, a, a illegal melting, no? I mean, this is, this Saju, we are not with Sajuja at all. <laughs> so do not melt no, the stool with the Ganges water. Stool may be floating there, but Ganges water still is Ganges water. But maybe we don't have the capacity to take Ganges water and separate the other thing, and we may take the stool. So we are not Mahadev who takes the something and he's able to survive and he's able even to transform poison into ornamentation for his throat. No, I, mean, <laughs> I made always in, in Spanish one joke, I cannot make it here because the word doesn't help in English. But it is said that when Shiva drank this poison he became Nilakanta, which means uh, blue throat, the blue throat one. No? So in Spanish they say, if you do the same Nila canta. No? Nila canta, like, it means like you don't sing it anymore. And when we say to sing something, you don't sing it, it means you are dead. No? I mean, you have to know Spanish to, to, to laugh in this precise moment, so no problem. But when I do the joke in Spanish, it really works. <laughs> so, so we should also separate this idea no, of what's what is that makes the pure devotee a pure devotee? And as Guru Maharaj sometimes says, if the pure devotee is wearing glasses, just don't go to the extreme of thinking, oh, he's testing me. Because actually he's a pure devotee, and he must have perfect eyes and perfect vision, so he shouldn't need glasses, so he's putting the glass to, okay, I will pray strongly so I pass the test. No, 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 he needs glasses. But that has nothing to do to who, with who he is in one point. No? So we should be able to separate again. What's going on in the Ganges and what's the Ganges about? What's maybe going on in the no, pure devotee's body? Maybe, maybe in psyche. Even no, I was I was telling the other day the devotees when I was seeing the the Vyasa Puja <coughs> talk by Srila Bhakti Pramod Puri Maharaj, uh, 100th Vyasa Puja talk. No? So wow, imagine. No? And your guru is there, of course. No? <laughs> So he was starting the talk saying, well, sorry so much, I'm really old, I'm forgetting many things, my memory is not working, so I won't be able to properly quote the shlokas. And of course he tried to quote shloka after shloka in the manga, the channel, he was like 20 minutes shloka. <laughs> but I believe that he lost some memory because he had even bigger capacity. But you cannot say, oh, he now he has... He's degrading himself, he's falling, he forgets some shloka, he has even dementia. Those things may happen sometimes, may affect the no, a relative filter no, in that aspect. So, so we should learn to separate no, the adhikara of the person of what really... No. So the guru is transcendental, the pure devotee is transcendental because he's really surrendered to Krishna. And of course this is a very big topic, no? Does the guru, does the pure devotee commit mistakes or not? What to commit a mistake? I mean, not time for a speak about in detail, but he can commit mistake. Which type of mistake? Of course, which type of devotee? Which type of adhikar? So we speak about the very topmost high devotee. 
he's not committing mistakes in the sense that he's fully surrendered to Krishna. And if, if you conceive a mistake to not be surrendered to Krishna, that's the mistake. <laughs> there may be some other things, so he may mistake one thing for the other. But if he surrendered to Krishna, that's the real non-mistake, basically. No? As Krishna says, Apichet sudra tru vajanti mamunanyavak sadureva samantabhya yeah. He says, if, if someone even commits really durachar, no? achar means behavior, durachar means bad behavior, sudurachar means terribly bad behavior. <laughs> but that person is determined in surrendering to me. For me, that in my consideration, in my estimation, he's a saintly person. Because, again, he's judging us for our ideal future. Maybe today some remaining stuff is there, whatever. But he sees in time and he says, no, sadhu reva, sadhu, for me it's a sadhu. So imagine, we may be criticizing someone that is a sadhu for Krishna, so, which is important. We are interested in Krishna's consideration of the other peop- people, not only our own opinion. <laughs> and he says, samyak vyabhyasita hi saha, because he's uh, duly situated in his determination. So even if he falls, even if he fails, he doesn't want to, so he will go through proper remorse, and that remorse will help him, as the same goes, the same floor when you fall, is the same that helps you to go up, to get up. No? So, and he will return to bhakti, that's a proper way to exonerate oneself, and eventually he will achieve me. One lifetime, two lifetimes, and of course we have many verses and sections with Krishna, same Samparabdha karma, even to high devotees, like examples like Bharat Maharaj, like Bilba Mangal, who went Bhava Bhakti, and Samparabdha karma came, and they kind of became delayed a little bit, if you will. Srila <laughs> Sirma sometimes gives a nice example. He says, in the case of big devotees, sometimes an obstacle comes in their lives, and externally it seems as some kind of real mistake. But it's an obstacle that Krishna put to increase their eagerness to achieve the goal. And he gave the example, like if you are walking, no, and suddenly phew, one obstacle is on the way, some like, well, that you have to jump. But at the speed you were walking, you cannot jump. So you have to go back. So you may feel, oh, he's going backwards. He's not advancing. But he's going backwards to take speed and run and and continue. <laughs> so sometimes externally it may be seen, oh, he fell, this happened, and maybe that happened, but how the rest of the the run, continue, in the long run, if you will, no? how it continues. So we should be also generous in our perspective of others in that regard, not be silly and not just over-justify whatever thing as... No? So it's important also to be, of course, to examine our own sincerity, other sincerity, have good intention, but only, also we were speaking the other day, good intention is not enough also. <laughs> no, because I may have good intention, but if I, have, I, if I am in, in ignorance, I may I mean, damage many, many people. I may be a mother, and I have very good intention, but I don't know what to feed my children, and I will be killing them. But it's with good intention. So the road to hell is paved with good intention, they say. No? So we need good intention, of course. But we need to complement that with intelligent you know, guidance. So that will make a very nice <coughs> uh, combination, basically. No? So there are many stories in the scripture about this idea of not judging a Vaishnava according to his her appearance. appearance. And uh, mood, even the commentary, the commentators to this verse said, even if a Vaishnava has some harshness in his way of like, replying for moments, maybe that's something part of his nature or her nature. But he engaged in bhakti, started a pure transubstantiating trans- process, <laughs> and maybe that harshness remained there. Hmm? but now combined with pure bhakti. So, it's not the same harshness as before. Now it's becoming some ornament in the context of pure bhakti. I personally have had very interesting experiences like this with some very nice sadhus in India. 
I remember first time I went to India there was Madhu Mangal Prabhu who he was a, like the personal kirtani of Srila Siddhar Maharaj so I had the chance of meeting him he was blind materially speaking <laughs> and he sang so nicely so nicely I mean he knew the whole song book by heart you know I had the fortune to record one CD, one record with him. We entered into his Bajan Kutri, who was like a little Gambira. <laughs> and it was me and him. He was singing. Now, this one, okay. This one. And he was like singing. But he had some... He was like a little... He was 80 years already or more. And he had some harshness there. No? <laughs> like an old, harsh gentleman. <laughs> And there was another sannyasi living at the ashram at that place called Paramahamsa Maharaj, who also had like 78 years or something. And he was also unanimously considered as a very high Vaishnava by everyone in Vrindavan. So, I mean, it's not easy to obtain that uh, consideration in Vrindavan <laughs> by Sadhu. So they were living almost together, but the two of them have this harshness in their nature. So they were like, between themselves, like, like two friends like quarreling daily like with some things but at the same time you felt they love each other so much no? at, at one point they were hospitalized and simultaneously basically so one was in one bed and the other in the other and they were like quarreling from the bed in the hospital <laughs> but you realize this is part of their lila no? I mean it's like if you say stop quarreling and you separate them they will say no no bring me with him again I need the beer rasa going on no <laughs> so the point is like this there are certain cases this is not an excuse to be harsh of course we, because in the first verse Rupa Goswami says for example or you have to control certain urges no? but sometimes in the context of bhakti certain aspect of one's nature remain there by Krishna's arrangement maybe to put us to test and also to ornament that sadhu in a very particular flavor and combination <laughs> So in that case, we should be able to really see the center, which is bhakti, and the particular like uh, element that is in the circumference, like ornamenting that, like little harshness there. But it's in a proper combination. No? <laughs> so what to speak to about physical stuff? No? This is the famous example of, of Sanatan Prabhu when he was having this, how do you call it in English? Leprosy, or he had some boils. Like... Open source, 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 source. As you know, he he, con- he obtained this sickness by, well, long story. But the point is that he, but Mahaprabhu was every day embracing him mm-hmm. and, and becoming just like in contact with this source and the, all the material that was coming from that. And Sanatan decided, I will kill myself. I will jump in the rough theatrical cards and, well auspicious way of leaving the body because he was pain so much his main point was I'm pain so much of the apparatus I feel I'm doing his extreme humility he felt I'm offending Mahaprabhu by, by him embracing me and me being so contaminated and so in an extreme w- mood of humility that we cannot imitate that is proper to Prem Bhakti <laughs> he wanted to jump into the Rathiyatra cart so as you know Mahaprabhu came to him he knew what's going, what was going on in his heart. He was there. And he said to Sanatana, I mean, do not even think for a second to jump. Well, basically, something like this. You, I know you're planning to jump. It's nice to jump in Ratha Yatra, but not down the car, no, as you plan to do. So forget about the project. No? Give me your agenda. That plan was there. No. <laughs> because I have many plans I have plans you have a plan I have a plan with your body you have a plan with your body I will throw it down I have another plan many plans with your body I will do many things through your body so your, the point is that's not, not your body it's my body he said and if Krishna would like to attain him through suicide he said who will not commit suicide millions of times to attain him but that's not the established sadhana. So we are not suicidal sadhakas, basically. No? So, <clears throat> and Mahaprabhu, in, 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 in the mood of a bhakta, said, Krishna put this source in, in Sanatana to test me. No? No. If I just like, oh, I will embrace him or not, or what I will do. 
but Mahaprabhu passed the test. You know, he never judged Janatam by the by the source, but actually, so he's really he's glorious, and his body is a Sadaka Deha, totally transubstantiated. Uh, so, I mean, whatever contact you have with that body, that's another mm-hmm. big test, no? Because I don't know a famous example of Madhavendra Puri. Uh, uh, sorry, of um, Ishwara Puri serving his guru Madhavendra Puri in his last days and rendering this menial service of cleaning his guru's stool and things like this. <laughs> that it may be a big test for you to continue perceive this is a transubstantiated Sadakadeha. No? <laughs> but, well, that's a fact. No? So he became, well, Mahaprabhu's guru, so he received lots of mercy in that regard. <laughs> um, so Deha, you know, what I, we are speaking about in that context, and how this famous Dikshakale Bhaktakare Atma Samarpana, this famous verse in Chaitanya Tritamrita, Krishna himself say, the ba- Atma Sam, no? his body, his soul, his whole being, I'm becoming one with that. No, that means the body becomes such the body of such devotee becomes so spiritualized that it becomes worshipable, even for me. So because of that, Mahaprabhu was embracing Sanatana, was worshipping Sanatana's body. Even though some other may think, oh, according to relative considerations, to touch someone who is sick, you have to take bath and whatever, no? So many rules in those times. You know, if you walk on the sh- sh- shadow of... no caste considerations, Sanatan Goswami being an outcast because of working with the Muslim people. Mahaprabhu throw all that to hell. I say, you are Muslim, Muslim with sore, so better, even better. Bigger taste, test. So, okay. But to speak about Haridas, as you know, Haridas Thakur already, an outcast, and Mahaprabhu at Bhaita Charya also, the Strata offering to Haridas, oh, so many things there. No? So very... Very, our line is a very substantial one, very Saragrahi-like. So, Rupa Goswami is trying to take our attention in that direction. Even we may become, we may not even commit heavy apparat, but some apparat will be there. Some, some, how do you say, suspension in our dynamic process may be there if we just, I mean, are not able to fully appreciate the person because of some whatever. This is a famous example, for example, of in Mahabharat, you know, when there is the uh, Raja Suja Yajna that is being performed, and at the end of the Yajna, if everything was properly performed, you know, some bell was to sound for itself. Remember? No? So, if everything was properly done, bell will sound without anyone moving it, said by itself. No, so everything was done very carefully. Judicial Maras was really taking care of every detail of the offerings, of the attention. <clears throat> so eventually, everything closed with prasad and distribution, basically. No, so after prasad, the idea was bell will sound. So everything, everyone was looking at the bell. Bell is not moving an inch. So everyone was like totally like demolished. No, what's going on? So they went to Krishna. What happened? Say, oh, some Vaishnava parad must be there. Some parad is there. That that's what doesn't allow the bell of bhakti to sound in our heart. That's the whole symbology there. No? <laughs> so they start to inquire. No, I mean, aparad? Which aparad? We were careful, and they start to ask one by one. Did you commit aparad? What did you say? So no, no, no. It was really no. So eventually they arrived to Draupadi. No. <laughs> they asked Draupadi, did you do some weird stuff? <laughs> so, so her, her head was like, how do you say? Hanging down like this. So, mm. so Krishna said, go on with her, continue with her, since it's in that direction. So they asked Draupadi, no, and what happened? No? So, so she said, well, I mean, when I, I, I prepared the whole feast for the ceremony, Prasad. So every people came, we invited every Brahmin, every person. And one very old Brahmin came, 
Vaishnav Brahmin, and I've, I prepared so carefully, prepared like 25 preparations, and I put to him everyone, one by one, and there is a way to properly take those preparations. There's a particular order, no? not deserve first, no? like Dana's book. <laughs> no? Also, although some places in India they start with the sweets, but that area's flavor was different. So, and 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 this and this Vaishnav, I put the plate. I was so concerned about doing everything nicely, and he started to mix everything. <laughs> he made like kitri with everything, sweet dal rice, and started just like to eat like that. So in my mind, I felt, oh, this this gentleman is so uncivilized. No, I mean, I he's not appreciating what I. The sacrifice I make, he just like. So Krishna, at that moment, Krishna says, "There you have it. <laughs> that's you have it." So again, no, they told you. So yeah, that's why Shnabaparan. You have considered the person by his, how do you say, mannerism, no? At the moment of honoring Prasad, so that's not necessarily the. As once Guru Mahal said that he was in India with Prabhupada, I think, and some devotees, or he was not maybe, but he heard this story, and some Indian gentlemen cooked for them, and they were just like attentive how, at the moment of Prashant, and devotees took Prashant with dry hand and said, Oh, now we know you are bona fide. <laughs> right hand. So that, that's not really substantial consideration, but well, what to do? So they say to, to Draupadi, well, in order to counteract the offense, you have to cook a whole feast again for, for him. Of course, beg your pardon to him, your forgiveness. So he, she again made the whole feast with even more preparation. She served that to the Vaishnava. The Vaishnava again mixed everything. <laughs> no? But this time Draupadi was really begging forgiveness and very careful of not becoming entangled in the relative no? layer of whatever mannerism was there. So as she was really careful, the bell started to sound. So again, the point is, all this verse has its ultimate application and consequence in the realm of Vaishnava Parah. So it's very, you know, we enter a very delicate area there. So if we want the bell of devotion to sound in our heart, we should be very careful of of this Vaishnava Parah, which can be really gross, but can be really subtle also. There are different... Skanda Purana mentions six of them. And you have the gross ones, killing a Vaishnava, <laughs> physically attacking a Vaishnava, like insulting a Vaishnava, bullying. No? But also you have more no? subtle ones. No? Thinking ill of a Vaishnava, no? uh, not giving proper welcome when a Vaishnava comes, or even not being happy when you see the Vaishnava. No? That's the type of Oh, I mean, not to enter into neurosis. Uh, oh, I, miss, I, I, I must be, as Guru Mahal said, uh, a good defense is a, a good offense. The best defense is a good offense, but not regarding offense as apparat. <laughs> so the best defense for offense is another type of offense, no? like properly dual engaging in, in back in a very humble way. And uh, yeah, and not becoming just overtly distracted, overtly distracted by these so-called uh, spots, no? like Rupa Goswami gives the example of the moon. No? It's like if you look at the moon and you have a full moon and it's so brilliant and so beautiful and you, and you just, oh, but has one spot there. Mm. No. And you just start to see the spot and the spot and, and you forget about the moon, really. <laughs> you lose all the nurturing power from the moon. So the Vaishnavas sometimes are compared as the moon, who give light in the dark, who give moon rays like nurturing, giving taste. As the moon gives taste to the vegetables, Vaishnavas given not only light in the darkness, but giving taste eventually. No? Our goal is Mrityama uh, Amritagama. No? Get out of... Um, Mortality and enter into immortality, but Amrita means immortality and some positive taste. Progressive and, how do you say it? Uh, positive and progressive immortality, in the words of Srila Siddhar Maharaj. So our goal is that. So Vaishnava is giving all that, so we should be very careful of not.
of not attacking the Swarup Shakti of Bhagavan. That's the main thing, you know, because that's what Vaishnava Parad implies. I mean, you are attacking Swarup Shakti of Bhagavan, and it, that's so so dear for him. I won't go into detail now, but you have this beautiful series of verses, six verses that Vishnu, Naraya mentions in Vaikuntha to Durvas, you know, when he goes to beg forgiveness to him, because the Sudarshan is running after him after he offended Ambarish Maharaj, and he mentions all these famous verses, Aham Bhakta Paradino, I do not belong to me, I belong to my devotees, I'm controlled by them, I know as being independent, but actually I'm fully dependent on them. Like implying, you have done not something really a disaster by trying to kill him. <laughs> and they represent my heart. So now you come to beg forgiveness to me while you're trying to, to kill my heart. I mean, try to land in the disaster you have just made. No? So six nice verses, but he explains the glory of the position of the Vaishnava who represents, personifies this Tarup Shakti. So, eventually this verse is in, indirectly speaking about the, the glories of the Vaishnava, the glories of Bhakti, by giving some caution to us about how to deal with them, how to take the proper consideration and, and not become entangled in the mud, in the spots, in the whatever, because everyone will have some of that. No? Even if you look... Krishna himself, Krishna Lila, has some filter of so-called imperfection. No? Srila Siddhar Maharaj once said, Krishna is hidden, he hiding himself between a, how do you say this word? Hmm. Like, uh, well, like a so-called entanglement of imperfection, like a filter of a lot of imperfection. It seems so. No? Thief, liar, playboy, so on. <laughs> But of course, if you look closely by proper eye, by proper association, all those imperfections will one will be the ones who make the whole charm, who will who will really constitute the, the whole base of, of the Nara Lila. You take all those things out, and you end up in a different sampradaya. You'll in Baikunta What's happened? Well, the imperfection is gone. Now we are worshipping the all-perfect Naraya. <laughs> and you also are perfectly worshipping him. So I say, oh yeah, but it's boring. I want imperfection. <laughs> no? So, as Sivasir Maharaj once nicely said, no? imperfection, perfection, it's a demand of the ego. Imperfection, I mean, the heart doesn't need perfection, he said. No? The ego wants perfection. And we live in a world where everything has to be perfect. No. We, we have that in our DNA. We live in a modern society where for, for, for you to, like, to be liked by someone, you have to look perfect. You won't be perfect, but you, at least you have to put your uh, profile picture in Instagram in a very Photoshop-like way. So you have to seem perfect so someone may like you. You may have the hope of not being alone in this world. <laughs> because that's our biggest fear in the world, no? to be alone. Nobody wants to be alone, but the point is in this world, the contract is, well, I will love you if you are perfect. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and that's why it's so difficult for us sometimes to recognize our own mistakes. It's so difficult, at least for me. Because there is some very, almost inherent, if you will, anadi <laughs> fear <laughs> about if I recognize my mistakes and others realize I have mistakes, they will realize I'm imperfect and they will stop loving me because I will only be loved if I'm imperfect. So because of that we have a whole mechanism of not being so open to recognize our mistakes because of fear of stopping being loved. But the point is, the whole point is that the love we are after, for, after, after, hunkering, yeah, it's unconditional love, not conditional love. If I only love if you are perfect, that's conditional love. They had conditions, it's a contract there. So we are after unconditional love. Means you are a disaster, I love you. Disaster included. Especially if you are a disaster. Charming disaster. <laughs> Charming disaster. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, that's an internal joke. <laughs> so we are a charming disaster. Krishna's a charming disaster. He's a disaster. I mean, ask Mother Yasoda, <laughs> ask the elder ladies of Vrindavan. He's a disaster, but charming. First, charming. Disaster. Charming disaster. 
it's so charming that if you want to take the char the disaster off, take out him out of Vrindavan. No, 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 no. no he's charming. First charming. Disaster. Charming. <laughs> so, no, we see all the different implications that we can extract from this verse, actually, no? that, that are all connected with this idea of knowing how to deal with so-called imperfection and being able to to reconfigure or to have the, the courage to ask ourselves again what's our idea of perfection and imperfection and be able to update the meaning of those two terms as we advance in bhakti because we may have an idea this is perfection, this is imperfection and we eventually we realize oh no, that was not like that <laughs> what I thought was imperfection was maybe closer to the, an idea of perfection and things start to move and you start to only to consider also the human side of the thing because we have the transcendental idea that's the perfect thing and everything connected to human is maya but eventually you realize oh humanity has its place even in the eternity of the Naralila so how to balance that and how to be properly human to be properly transcendent because sometimes in in order to be transcendental, we can just be being evasive to our humanity. You know? <laughs> so no, we have to transcend. Means no? we are running, no? like escaping from certain uh, agenda that is asking from this side. No? You have this to finish first. No? Close in certain circles in your human side. So we should. Sometimes I say to devotees, if you want to become a transcendental superhuman. A superhero, whatever, no? first become a, tra- a, su- a, tra- a, a, a super a, a human superhero, if you will. I mean, first become a proper human being in the context of bhakti, <laughs> but not neglect your human sensibilities, but learn to, I don't know how, dovetail, if that's the word you correct me, with the transcendental idea which we are receiving that is full of human sensibilities in the context in a particular frame of reference, no? Bhakti. But humanity has its place in eternity. And that's the topmost perfection of humanity. So, sometimes we consider humanity imperfection, basically. You know, a defect. You are being human. You know, a guru cannot be seen as human. Cannot like... Uh, which was the bread that you will prepare for Swami sometimes? What is this? Mara. Oh, sourdough. No, he cannot like that. He cannot like... <laughs> that's not transcendental, but that's again an imperfect perspective. No, I mean you, 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 you have the challenge of putting that in a particular charming perimeter. No, there, there is place for that. No, <laughs> and eventually that may be speaking about certain tastes that start to go on in the context of the lila, that are just appearing here as a glimpse or whatever. No, so <laughs> of course that's not an excuse to cheat yourself in that regard. No? So, I mean, we have to be sincere as well. So, well, some ideas regarding this this nice verse by Srila Rupa Goswami about how to how to proper deal, not only knowing the different types of Vaishnavas, but also knowing that how to to appreciate whatever any of these Vaishnavas, because the three of them, Kanishna, Madhyam, Uttam, and all the intermediate varieties will have some so-called defects, physical, psychic, and we have to go beyond that. Even in the case of the Kanishta, not only this applies to the Otan Bhakta. Oh, he's totally transcendental, so he has no mistakes at all. I mean, I can deal with his physical imperfection. But in the case of the Kanishta, oh, I will only see mainly his Kanishta side. Oh, that's not generous. <laughs> I mean, if, if one is a real Kanista in, in, a, in, a, in a progressive sense, in a positive, sincere sense, I mean, he's, he will be an Uttam Bhakta in time. No? If he's sincere, so you, sh- you have to consider that potential. Maybe you won't relate like you relate with your guru, but in your heart of hearts, you will feel the potential is properly expressing itself, so it's a matter of time. No? So I cannot just see his present in maturity as the all in all but what will be the result of bhakti and grace in, in that person seeing that that person is so sincere and that's not easy, that takes time, I mean to approach the relationship, to think about the person 
to know how to interact, and if we committed some mistake, also to no? be willing to beg forgiveness and beg for unconditional love. And feel so grateful that I'm still a disaster, not so charming in my case, <laughs> and still being receiving the grace of the sadhus. No? So that w- should create a healthy sense of embarrassment. <laughs> but a very powerful enthusiasm to wanting to transcend whatever has to be transcended. So hope will, at the end, win the race, ideally, you know, hopefully. <laughs> Maraj, some words to give the, how to say, checkmate in, in, in chess. Shripad Bhakti Vayashra Maharaj Ki Jai. Bhakti Hi. Very much, I'd very much like to Krishna Swarupati being more powerful than any any apparent flaws in someone's character, um, you know, even flaws in their practice. And Vishnu uh, Chakravarti Thakur makes a point like this in the first canto of the Bhagavatam that um, the, the verse where Narada Muni is instructing Vyasadeva and he says um, that even if someone gives up their practice because of bad association or poor determination um, still they'll be successful they'll, there's no uh, need to fear that they won't be successful because they're rasagraha Srila mm-hmm. Prabhupada translate, translates that as having tasted the uh, sweetness of devotional service but rasa graha means haunted and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur points that out in his commentary on that verse um, rasa graha means um, that you're haunted by rasa just like a ghost you can't shake this is how powerful bhakti is. And he says it begins, says, if, you know, in case we may be thinking we're talking about bhava or prema or, you know, even um, asakti or something, some higher stage. He said, no, actually it begins at the, with the very first day of practice. And uh, Srila Jiva Goswami uh, supports that in, in his Bhakti Sandarva. He says that bhakti, even Sadhana Bhakti has some um, power to control Krishna because if it didn't, how, how is it that Krishna is giving the Sadaka Bhava Bhakti? So Krishna comes under the control of the Bhakti. That's how powerful this Varup Shakti is. That it, um, takes, she takes Narayan and, and turns him into Krishna pouty little boy, troublemaking, charming disaster of a little boy. Um, so I, I really like that. There, and there's a word uh, you talked you talked uh, a few times about uh, our our uh, being uh, saragrahis, but there's another similar word that's that works here as well, and that's gunagrahi. Mm-hmm. And if we th- it means that means looking for the good. In others, mm. um, Prabhupada compared it to the difference between a bumblebee and a fly. Mm-hmm. Be- the bees are looking for nectar, and the flies are looking for nasty things. Mm. Um, although, if you spill sugar on the table, the flies will find that too. But um, <coughs> so I, I, you know, I always like that. I have. I have friend named Gunagrahi and just his name always made me aspire to be um, try to become a better devotee. And, and Srila Sridhar Maharaj when he talks about this verse he points out the danger of Vaishnava Aparat as well. And he says, he breaks the word down, he says, Apa Aradhana, <laughs> something that goes against worship of the Lord. And, and, and when I saw that it reminded me um, how Swami occasionally reminds us that our religion is Vaishnavism. It means you worship the Vaishnavas. <laughs> yeah. and, and so what good qualities am I going to see in somebody who 
you know, can't control his senses or sometimes becomes um, <coughs> short with devotees or something like that. Well, they're good quality is Krishna's work, Shakti. Krishna has accepted this person. And, you know, all the rough edges may not have been um, polished yet, um, but, you know, they're, they're in, 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 the, in the process, as am I. And, you know, and that kind of, uh, you know, it just just brings it back down to the, the point of, of as, as there is in so much of our philosophy, of common sense. You know, to be generous, as Maharaj was pointing out, as we help people to be generous with us. Um, so, so and, and, and seeing, and that good quality is the essence of the, of the Vaishnava, the, the surrender. It's like that verse, Diksha Kale Bhakta Koryatma Samarpan. Krishna, uh, Lord Chaitanya tells Sanatana at the time of initiation, as the devotee engages in Atma Samarpan, uh, engages in Atma Nivedana, Atma Nikshepa, um, complete, uh, you know, complete surrender to the Lord, to the extent, you, at least to the extent that they're engaged, and you, you need to see that their body's been spirit, is spiritualized. He says that just before that and just after that, he refers to the body, the, the devotee's body as purely spiritual, chidam and demoy, completely made of uh, transcendental uh, knowledge and bliss. And again, uh, atma sam, same as me, Krishna says, according to Lord Chaitanya. So we need to learn to see as the, as the Vaishnavas see. That's what it means to associate pick up the good qualities in, in, in the folks that we um, associate with. Yeah. Any questions, something before finishing? Commentary question? Jai 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 Jai